here we are, here I am, um, filling in the gap. Uh, just, uh, you know, we was talking this morning about uh, Bobby Harrell coming, uh, voting on him. Uh, here we are just standing in the gap and uh, wanting to keep, keep things rolling. So <clears throat> today uh, I got a little something for you. Um, I'm, I've never been too big into titles, you know, uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, I just, for me, I've never been one to put a title on too much of things, but I was sitting around last night and I was kind of thinking, uh, I thought the title of this today would be when we see Jesus. And, uh, I was thinking about that, and I thought if I was to put a title on what I have for you today, it would be when we see Jesus. And I was, I was thinking about that. I was getting some stuff ready, and <clears throat> I, I was thinking about the song, What a Day That Will Be, When My Jesus I Shall See. Amen. You know, as I get started here, I'd like, I'd like God to be the biggest part in this, not me. And Stuart, would you ask God to bless this message here today? Amen. And as we think about that, <clears throat> when we see Jesus, and I kept thinking about that song that we sing, we sing it a lot, and I like it, is uh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. And you know, as I, and the more I got to dwelling on that, I kept thinking, um, what will it be like? And, and, and I kept thinking, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything that we can do here on earth to really, really prepare us for meeting Jesus face to face. I, I know we have, we have the Bible, and, and I know the, the Bible instructs us through all things. But you, you grasp that thought of being face to face with Christ. Man, what a day that will be. What an what a awesome day that will be when we see Jesus. What will it be like to meet the one that saved you? Yes, to grasp, to grasp the thought that I'm saved. We know we're saved. If you're saved in here, if you've been born again, we know we're saved. But to meet the one that made that way Amen. for you to be saved, man, that's big medicine. That's big stuff. To meet the one who forgave you of your sins. Yes, to meet the one that forgave you of your sins. You know, the one, to meet the one that gave you newness of life. Man, you start, start thinking about these things and start dwelling on when we see Jesus. That's the thought I want you to get stuck in your head here this morning. When we see Jesus, what things will be like. I'd like to take it in, in your Bible if you'd look in John uh, 3. 15 and 16. Man, there's not a soul in here that probably don't know John 3, 15 and 16. You know, we know them verses. They're familiar with us. They're familiar to us. And, and, uh, and I'd like to read that. <clears throat> John, John 15, 3, 15. I like to think about that just for a second. It says, John 3, 15, it says that whatsoever, that, that whosoever, I'm sorry, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, as you read John 15, we always go to John 
3.16, but in John 3.15, it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Man, you think about, you think about believing on Jesus. Those people that believe on Jesus shall not perish. Man, we need to, we need to start getting a hold of that because once we get a hold of that, it's going to change us. It's going to, we've already been changed, but this is really going to get a hold of us. If we, uh, we should not perish. We, it says here in John 3.15 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Man, that, that makes me excited, Amen. you know, that we should not perish. You know, I remember when, when, I, when I got saved, you know, when I, when I got saved, I didn't, I wasn't focused on the good things that God could give me. I wasn't focused on the fact that, uh, that, that God is going to bless me in so many ways that I, I can't even fathom it. You know, I wasn't focused on all those things. You know what I was focused on? Perishing. I was focused on going to hell. And, you know, I, I, knew, I knew enough that I believed in God and I believed in a place called hell. And I knew I was going to that place called hell. And I kept thinking, man, one day, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to perish. And when I got saved, that was my focus, that God would save me from a devil's hell. That God would allow me to not perish. Isn't that an awesome thought? That God has made a way that we would not perish. You know, I I think today if we could get a glimpse, if we could get a glimpse of hell, if we could get a glimpse of what it means to perish, it would change us. It, it would, it, I believe it would change the believer, and I believe it would change the non-believer. You know, if the non-believer could get a glimpse of hell, I, I think you would, if you could actually, you know, and I know you've heard this a million times, but if you could open up a trap door and look down into hell as a non-believer, you would not last long Amen. before you believed in Christ. If you could just see that, What's taking place? And as a believer, as a believer, if we could get a glimpse of what hell is really like, I tell you, you'd be beating on your neighbor's door. You say, hey, yo, you don't want to go there. You absolutely, I believe it changes. You know, Satan has done an awesome job. Satan's done a great job of convincing men that hell is not real. You know that, yeah, when you die, uh, if you die without Christ, you... ah, You'd be all right. You know, hell's not that bad. It probably ain't even there. You know, in all reality, we're probably all going to go to heaven. You know, hey, all dogs go to heaven. All people, you know, surely they all go to heaven. No. Bible says in in John 3.15 that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. You know what that tells me? That tells me if you don't believe in him, you're going to perish. You're going. You're going not to heaven. You know, anyways, in John... John 14, if you turn over there real quick, John 14, 6, it says, John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, look at that. As as we think about this, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way. I am the way. You know, man, I'm going to heaven. And you know how I know I'm going? Because I know the way. You know the way? 
is Jesus Christ. You know, you go, oh, we just got back from vacation. You know, you don't have to know anything anymore about reading a map. Reading a map is, is old news. Amen. You don't even have to own a Rand McNally. Rand McNally was the closest thing to the Bible that you could find. And, you know, it, it's, it's like that's the real deal. People don't even know what that is anymore. You know, you, you Google it. And, you know, if you want to go from here to Spickerter, here to wherever, Gulf Shores, Alabama, you just talk to your phone. You say, hey, can you get me there? And, man, it'll, it'll print you two different ways, maybe three. But you know what? The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the way. Amen. You know, Google, he'll put you out two or three different ways, two or three different avenues. You'll be coming down the road, and all of a sudden, it'll, it'll get a flash up there that says, hey, traffic alert. You know, I can save you three minutes if you turn right in a 1,000 yards. Yeah. You know? Man, you're on it. It don't work for going to heaven. Oh, that works. But if you're looking to go to heaven, there's the way, which is Jesus Christ. The world is flashing signs. Hey, I got a shortcut here. I got a shortcut there. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man, no man cometh to the Father but by me. Man, without Jesus Christ, without coming to the Father, other than Jesus, you will perish. Perish. Man, if we could get our eyes wrapped around, our minds wrapped around perishing, I think we'll have some. Proverbs 8, 835, you turn over there real quick if you'd like. Proverbs 835, it says, For whosoever findeth me findeth life. Man, I like life. I like life. But I'm after this next life. It's what we need to focus on. Jesus, Jesus said in, in Proverbs 8.35, For whosoever findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. 1 Timothy 2. If you turn over there real quick. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God. We know that. Doug was talking about that just a little bit ago. There's a multitude of false gods. But we know there is one God. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ, is, is what we need to not perish. The man Jesus. It says in, in uh, 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be tested in due time. You know, all these things I, I kept thinking about. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Boy, these are things that... that has changed my life, knowing these things, has pointed me to Christ. You know, I was, I was thinking about these things and how, how it's so important to have, to know this mediator. How important it is in your life as you live here on this earth, how important it is to know the mediator. And I was thinking about that mediator and how, how critical it is to know him. 
how he speaks in our, on our behalf to God, a holy God. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this account I had in my life, this thing that happened to me years ago. And I was sitting here just a few minutes ago, and I thought, man, I probably already told this story probably three times. So if I have, I really apologize, okay? I was thinking about this story of when, when we were growing up, okay? And we was living in Lodi, and where, where we lived, it was not really out in the country, but it was a little ways out of town, about a mile out of town. We lived on a blacktop road. And right where mom and dad lived, we had about six neighbors, maybe seven neighbors. And, and the closest neighbor that we had was about as close as the width of this room. The old lady lived in a house next to mom and dad. And the furthest out of those six or seven houses was about like walking from here to the hotel, maybe somewhere up around that gas station. And our next door neighbor was a lady, I can't even remember her first name, but she was old ever since I knew her. She's since gone, but her name was, we called her Grandma Sturger. She wasn't our grandma, but that's what we called her. And and we knew, growing up, we knew all our neighbors, knew them well, knew who they were, and and we was in their houses, and they would be in our houses, and we knew these people very well. And uh, there's a lady, a family lived across the street, back across this field, lived in an old trailer, just set up in the field. Uh, Seals, K-Seal, called her Aunt Kay. You know, we weren't allowed to call her by her first name, Kay, and she didn't like Mrs. Seal, so she became Aunt Kay. And we knew all our neighbors, knew them well. And we'd go to their house, we'd be in and out, we'd go in, they'd give us cookies and blah, 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 you know, and it's just the way we grew up as a really, really good neighborhood. And, and it, was, it was just fun to run around there. You didn't get in trouble or, you know, it was just they, they liked you and, as we were growing up, all the neighbors were exactly the same, year after year after year. Well, as we started getting a little older, some of them started falling off the scene. You know, I remember uh, uh, the, this, this one particular neighbor, is two houses down from us, he, uh, they, they had passed away, so their house was sold, and a new family moved in. And as this new family moved in, uh, they, they were there. We didn't know them very good. We, we met them. And, and one of the first things that we noticed when they moved in was they were hippies. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, if you're a hippie in here today or an old hippie, hey, I, I'm not saying anything bad, okay? But, but, you know, to my dad, to my dad, that was a shock. You know, man, they got long hair. They had a van. Yeah. Yeah. And, and man, they, they had that look. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, our neighborhood changed. It was different. And uh, here we are. Got some new people in the neighborhood. And as time started going on, you know, we didn't, we didn't know these people at all. And by this time, I was trying to think, how old was I? And I was probably like 18, 19. I, I was just judging by the truck I had at the time, you know. And I had the old red Ford pickup. So I was guessing I was somewhere about 18, 19. And, and I remember 
that they had a couple dogs, a couple Rottweiler dogs. And, uh, and, and the word on the street, when we talk about our neighbors, you know, blah, 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 I can't even think of their name, was they were selling dope. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know why we knew that, but they were selling dope. And in fact, one of our neighbors had a theory that they, would, they had a flag. It wasn't an American flag. It was just some flag. When they flew that flag, there was more traffic in and out of their driveway than normal. You know? So they had to be selling dope. Seriously. I mean, we were convinced that, that you know, here they are, this long-haired family moves in, and they're selling drugs, and they got these two Rottweilers, and, and what else could they possibly be doing, you know? And as time progressed, it, it was like we got more scared and more stories would come up on this family. And, and you know, we didn't know. Well, all we knew was is they're dope dealers. Well, as time went on, as a short period of time kept going and going, and these two dogs that they had, these two Rottweilers, started becoming a problem. And they became this huge issue, okay? And we would come home. We'd come home, we'd be in a station wagon or whatever, and man, they would see your car pull in the driveway. And as your car pulled in the driveway, here they would come. They'd see it, and I mean, they would just be running. A big old chest like that wide, you know, and they'd be coming and they'd just pin you in the car. Just be right up against there. You know how a dog will do when he's barking, just... And, and you'd be like, man, I can't get out of the car. And dad would get out, and he could run them off. He was like, wow. And then it, it kept evolving and kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And, and, you know, it started making you not like the neighbor. You know, not that there wasn't already trouble. Well, this dog issue kept growing and growing and growing. And it got to where if you was in the yard and you'd see them dogs way off, all of a sudden they'd come running. And you'd see them coming, and you're like, you know, you'd freak out. You'd get in the house, and, or if you didn't make it to the house, they'd have you pinned down. Well, we started developing a system. Well, the system was we had a series of BB guns all over in strategic places. And somebody would see you getting run after by these dogs. Somebody else, Leonard or Bob or Dad, would grab one of these BB guns and just nail them. And that worked for a season, you know. And it started to not work. And we got, you remember, there was an old slingshot called a wrist rocket. You know, it would fold up over your wrist. And, man, you could pull that thing back and put the pressure right here on your wrist. Man, an old wrist rocket slingshot, we had a couple of them. And, you know, around here, there's not much of this, but it used to be there in Ohio, you could get them iron ore pellets. Man, this is the best slingshot material you could ever find in your life. We had those, like, coffee cans full of iron ore pellets, and we had them old wrist rocket slingshots. And, uh, man, we'd be working in the garage. Dad would be in the garage, and there we'd be. We'd be out there in the yard, and all of a sudden, Dad would be hollering, them dogs are here. Man, we'd grab slingshots, BB guns. We'd do everything we could to knock them dogs out. And uh, we'd run them off. And this went on and on and on and on, this dog problem. And I know my dad was getting aggravated, and it kept going and going, and it wouldn't stop. And it seemed like there was no end to this problem. 
And uh, one day we had a, an encounter. They come into the garage. We was working in there, and they came in the garage. And, man, it was like we were grabbing slingshots, BB guns, two-by-fours. We're going to whack them dogs. We're going to do whatever it took. And I remember that day. I can still remember this day. And my dad said, Wes, he said, I wish you'd kill one of them dogs. And man, I'm not, I'm not a puppy killer, okay? I don't want to send out a bad message, but you know, there's, there's times when you, just, when you do things. Like John Wayne would say, you know, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. My dad told me that. And I thought, that's like a green light to a kid that Loved to hunt, and I'd trap anything that was alive. If you wanted me to trap it, I'd trap it. If you wanted me to hunt it, I'd hunt it. And Dad said, man, I wish you'd kill them dogs. Man. It's like I knew I had Dad's okay to do whatever I had to do. You know, I, I just thought about that, and it's like I don't even know if he meant it, but he said it. And his dad had said that, I couldn't quit thinking about it because I knew it was going to happen again. So I don't remember if I was still in high school or if I was working, but I remember one day coming home from either work or from school, just changing my clothes, and I heard this ruckus. And I looked outside. I looked outside. There was them two big old Rottweilers. And they had gotten in the chicken house somehow. And they'd gotten in the chicken coop or the chicken pen. Man, his chicken's going everywhere, and them two dogs were going wild. And man, I, I thought, hey, Dad said, kill them dogs. Man, I grabbed a shotgun. And I grabbed an old deer slug, popped it in there. I went out on the back porch and I grabbed the old, the old post, porch post, drawed down a bead on one and let her fly. I shot that son of a gun, knocked him down. Man, I'm not trying to say bad things. You know, I'm not saying I'm a puppy killer. But I tell you what, I shot that dog, knocked it off its feet, and there it laid. I know that's not a pretty story. That dog was there on the ground, and I tell you, immediately, I panicked. I thought, oh, my goodness, I just killed the neighbor's dog. I mean, I was scared. So I didn't know what to do. So my instinct was, I got to get rid of this thing. So I jumped in my truck. I pulled it down across the yard, down in the backyard, dropped the tailgate. Dropped the tailgate down. I was going to get ready to load it up, and it wasn't dead. I thought, man, what do I do? So I thought, well, I'm going to have to kill it. Just about then, I heard a neighbor holler. And I looked up, and I see him coming. It was the long-haired, hippie neighbor that we had. You know, man, I was, I was 18, 19 years old, and I just killed my neighbor's dog, and here he come. 
I was, I was scared to death. I took that gun. I thought, man, what am I going to do? So we had an old playhouse, an old chicken house right there. And I opened the door and I jumped in that chicken house. And he was coming. I could see him coming. As I stood there, I thought, man, you've got, you got to go out there. You've got to go out there and you've got to face this. So I thought, I don't want to go out there with a gun. So I laid that gun up in the corner. Kept looking out the crack in the door, and I thought, man, I got to go. I got to go out there. So pretty soon I opened the door. I walked out there, and man, he was coming. And that guy was about like Matt Nichols' size. He's a big guy. He was coming across that yard. Man, I, was, I wasn't as big as what I am now. You know what I'm saying? And here he come. He come up there. He said he was so mad. That guy was as mad as I've ever seen anybody at me in my life. And he started screaming and cussing and yelling. He said, what in the world did you just do? I didn't say anything. He said, what are you going to do with my dog? He said, was you going to load it up and go throw it in a ditch? I said, yeah. Man, he was mad. He pulled a gun out. He had a pistol. He pulled a gun out. He put a shell in that thing. And I honest to goodness thought he was going to kill me, is how much he was yelling. And he reached out and he shot his dog. Which I know that's a bad story, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it happened. He shot that dog. That dog was laying there dead. And he didn't quit yelling. He was still mad. And he was like right on me. He said, what are we going to do? I didn't say a thing. What could I say? He said, you're going to take this thing home to my house. I said, okay. So we loaded that dog up on my pickup. We didn't have to close the tailgate because we weren't going far. And we loaded that dog up and we pulled out of mom and dad's driveway. We went down two houses, pulled in his driveway. He, he said, back that dog up to the garage. So, well, the truck. So I, I pulled the truck up. I was backing up. And we just stopped. I turned the truck off and we opened the doors. And his wife, his wife come rolling out of the house. And I'm telling you what, you think that guy was scary. <laughs> this woman come out of the house and she was, she was screaming. She was yelling and screaming as loud as a woman could yell. And she wanted to know who killed her dog. I mean, she was, I mean, that guy was mad. This lady was crazy. She come out of there and she was yelling and screaming. And she was, she was going to hurt somebody. 
And she wanted to know who killed that dog. And man, I tell you, as I was standing there, I didn't know what to do. Man, I was like 18, 19 years old. And that lady was coming fast. And she come out there, want to know who killed that dog. And that guy, I remember this just like I'm standing here today. But that guy, he said, I did. I couldn't believe what he said. That guy, he said, I did. He said, and I told you that this is going to be a problem if we let these dogs keep running around in the neighborhood. He said, he just brought this dog home for me. I couldn't believe what I heard. He said, could you help me unload it? Yeah, absolutely. I grabbed that dog by the head or the legs, and he grabbed it, and we set it off in the yard. And he shook my hand, and he said, thanks for bringing it home. Man, I tell you, I was never so relieved in all my life of, the, of what just happened. I was, I, was, I was never so happy. As I jumped back in my truck, I didn't waste a lot of time. But I got in there, and I started to leave. And I, I was like, I can't believe what just happened. I can't believe that this guy just let me go. And I can't believe that this guy just took the blame for what I just did. And that lady didn't know anything about what actually happened. But that guy said, hey, I did it. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about that this guy took the consequences of my actions and he took care of them. As I was thinking about that, man, I was thinking about when we see Jesus. I I don't think we understand fully about what Jesus did for us. I I just don't think we can grasp it. I know at that moment, I actually thought that guy was going to kill me. And moreover than not than him, I thought that lady was coming out of there, and I just knew she was going to steamroll me. And she was, I never seen anybody coming so fast, ready to tear you up. And that guy said, I did it. And you know, you think about that in the terms of a, a story, an account, okay? Yeah, I know it's not story time, but it happened. It was a real event. Amen. And I think about 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. We've already read it. But it says in here in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. You know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that man, Jesus Christ. My mediator between me and God. And I was thinking, how many times, how many times in life has that mediator went to bat for us? How many times has the old devil stood before Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, I got to tell you about something that David Chamberlain did. 
I, I, I want to tell you about David Chamberlain doing this. Jesus said, no, I did it. You know, how many times has, has the devil come before Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, I want to talk to you about Chandler Hill. I want to talk to you about Chandler. I've got some good stuff on Chandler. He did this. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. Jesus said, no, it was me. It was me that did that. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he not only rose again, but as he died on the cross, he took upon all our sins upon him. Not only took upon our sins, paid the price for those sins. Those sins have a penalty. Those sins have consequences. The penalty that was supposed to be there for us, Jesus said, no, I'll pay that penalty. Man, isn't that something? You start thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for us throughout our life, throughout our whole life. The things, the things that the devil could throw in our face and say, uh-uh, that guy is not a Christian. There's no way. Right. Can't you see Jesus saying, oh yeah, yeah he is. I did those sins. I committed those things. Those things are on me. Put them on my account. You know, when we stand before Jesus Christ, you think about 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. We have one mediator. When we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, it could be the greatest day of our lives. And it will be. I believe, I think that, I think when we see Jesus Christ, I think, I, I just don't think, I don't think we can say enough what it's going to be like. I don't think we can, I don't think we can plan to say, oh, Jesus, I'm going to tell you this or tell you that. I don't think there's words we can say other than thank the Lord that you saved me. My goodness. Or it could be the worst day of your life. Could be the worst day of your life when you stand before Jesus. Can you imagine what would have happened if when I went down to the neighbor's house, if that guy wouldn't have convinced that lady that he killed that dog? Can you imagine how that would have went? It wouldn't have went good, I guarantee you. But you know, when you stand before Jesus without Him being your mediator, without Him being your advocate, if you stand before God, a holy God, without Christ, you have one place to go. And that's not in heaven. That's where it talks about John 3.15, we'll perish. We'll perish. Without Jesus Christ, our advocate, our Savior, our Redeemer, without Jesus Christ, we will perish. Matthew 7, and 23 says, Depart from me, I never knew you. I'm not going to turn there. Depart from me, I never knew you. Can you imagine hearing those words? Can you imagine standing before a holy God? Standing before Christ and hearing those words, Depart from me, for I never knew you. 
Ah, I just cannot wrap my mind around that. How that would feel. You know, as we get ready to close out, <clears throat> Rob, if you want to come up and kind of get ready. I don't know what we might have for an invitation song. If you want to start playing just a little bit. I was just thinking, if you could think of how it's going to be when we see Jesus. And think about that. How will it be when you see Jesus? Could be. I look around this crowd and I think probably everybody here is saved. I don't know. Just stand up for a minute. Get ready to sing. Maybe just bow your head for just a minute. And think about, well, what it would be like if I stood before Jesus and I'm not sure if I'm saved. What do I do? What's going to happen to me if I stand before Christ not saved? Well, He's going to tell you, depart from me for I never knew you. If you happen to be here today and you're not saved, man, I beg of you. I beg, I beg of you to come today and make things right between you and God. Ask Jesus into your heart. That can happen today. I look around here and I think, man, everybody's saved. I don't know. I have no idea. But I know that here's an opportunity to make things right between you and God. Let's go ahead and sing, sing a verse of that. 340 if you grab your songbook and your old rugged cross. Yeah.